Welcome to the podcast of champions. This is the Herald Express Devon Live Talker United Yellow Army podcast created weekly for you by Guy Henderson and Richard Hughes. Here you can find everything you ever wanted to know about Talker United. You can find the podcast in the Talker United section of devonlive.com or you can subscribe to us in iTunes or at Acast. So welcome to another lockdown podcast on a rainy April day in South Devon. April showers, Richard, I think they call it, don't they? They do, and uh, I'm looking straight out at the uh, the rain at the moment. Uh, it was absolutely lovely, wasn't it, on Monday? It was. Um, unbelievably nice. Since then... There we go. So if you're um, if you're wondering what to do with your uh, your lockdown day and it's pouring with rain on your exercise, make yourself a cup of tea and listen to the Yellow Army podcast because we have much to discuss today. There's a lot to talk about when we get to G in the alphabet. The team of players beginning with G, there are two double acts in there, players who cannot be discussed one without the other. There are four players who played in the same Wembley playoff final. And there are some players who talk United sold for a considerable amount of money. So it's an interesting G team this week. This, this sounds good. This sounds good, guy. Ple- guy. Yeah, there you go. But, uh, plenty of other things to talk about as well, including, of course, when it comes to G, Ben Gehring. Everybody will want to talk about that. But it's just... Yeah. <laughs> there's a song about him. Have you heard the song? We can't no, sing but, the song. Uh, but I, I, I suspect... The worst thing that can happen to Ben Gehring is someone questioning who he is. Uh, yes, indeed. indeed. <laughs> <laughs> um, serious times, though. Very interesting piece that you've done for the Herald Express this week, Richard. It, we Unprecedented times. We're co- coming up to what maybe should have been the playoffs. Uh, the retained list gets announced yeah. on Saturday, which is obviously one of the most interesting days of the season for the club. And yet there's no football to judge anybody by. What, what's the state of play as you understand it? Well, um, there's a bit of a, a sense of normality with a, a re- retained list, isn't there? Because that's something that happens every season yeah. at, this, at this time. Um, of course, the oddity this season is the fact that the, the games haven't been finished. They, they haven't played all the games. Talking about 10 left and others have got more. Um, less, sorry. Others have got less. Um, so yeah, it's very odd. Um, the retain list will probably come out on Saturday, yeah, because Saturday is March second, and that's when the contracts run out. Um, I spoke to Gary this week, um, and he has talked to players throughout the week, um, and I think all the deals are agreed. Uh, the players that will be released, uh, if there are any. Um, have been told so that will all come out this week mm. um yeah there are uh, i had a quick chat with our good friend david thomas this morning because um uh having picked up the coverage of talk united this season um yeah what, what a strange time to do it from him after he, he left us um my, my knowledge of contracts and who had how long uh was was wasn't too great, so I, I gave Dave a, a call and we we've, we've talked it through. We think there's four players uh, in contract for next season. Yeah, um, he couldn't 
be absolutely certain who they were, but I think or we think that Little, Andrews and Whitfield are three of them. Okay. One of the, uh, the young players is uh, a, a, another. Okay. So that's four players that are contracted. I'm not saying it's definitely them, no. um, but that, that's the conclusion that, that we've come to. Um, and then there are, so including those players, there are currently 12 players contracted, obviously until Saturday. Yeah. So that leaves another eight players out of contract on Saturday. Of course, if they've already agreed a new contract, then they will be in contract from Saturday. Um, it's so, in, it's impossibly know, that, complicated. That, yeah, yeah. That, that leaves us with the possibility of um, some players leaving us this Saturday. Now, if you actually look at the squad, um, the two goalkeepers, Winter, Davis, Cameron... Uh, Louis Slough is one of the young players, so we're not sure about his contract. Uh, uh, Andrews, Little, Buse, Hall, Naman, or Namani, Naman, Naman, whatever you want to say it. Naman. Uh, Kalala. Yeah. Naman. Thank yeah. you, guys. Kalala, Whitfield, Reed, Lewington, Kazala. Yeah. Or Kazella. Um, so there, there are decisions to be made on all of those, aren't there? Yeah. Can you see any of those leaving? Well, no. Maybe one or two, I'm not going to speculate who, because that's not fair on them. But, no. Um, I, mean, I mean, but the speculation there will... There are teams... Yeah. Well, there are teams who will get rid of everyone. There are teams in our division that come the end of the contracts will get rid of everyone. Yeah. I can assure you that it will happen. And they will wait to see what happens with the playoffs, plus what happens with the start of next season, before they decide to bring players in. Because they're going to want to cut their costs as much as possible. There are teams who have already said they cannot afford to keep a squad until they know what they're doing. So, this is extraordinary. Ahead of the yeah. Curve, yeah. By, by, by re-employing, I should imagine the majority of those, talk mm-hmm. you ahead of the curve. They're already getting ready for next season while other clubs are, are doing nothing. But the, the upshot of that will be, surely, that there'll be a pool of players at this level... Uh, during the course of the spring and the summer, who are out of contract, they're you know they're, they're kicking their heels. Maybe they're on furlough, uh, and as soon as they announce, right, we're playing as of September the fifteenth or whatever, there's going to be a mad scramble to pick these players up. There's going to be a mad scramble, and uh, obviously, I think teams will be talking to them before that. But but once once. Uh, it yeah. all becomes a, a time when, all oh, right, okay, we will sign players now. There's going to be a mad scramble. Torquay will want to add to their squad. Yeah. But if they've tied up most of those players, they're ahead of the game. They are. Of course, it begs the question, of but course. One, you... one, one caveat to all of this, of course, Go on. is if the National League turn around and decide to play the playoffs. Yeah, because then which, you've got, you've got the intriguing that. possibility, which you outlined in the paper this week, of players moving from one club to another before the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think I don't think that's going to happen, and I think there is a caveat actually. Since writing that, the um, contracts end on May the second or when the season ends, because that stops people going to the playoffs. So I might have got that slightly wrong. Okay. But it's so confusing at the moment that uh, you know getting something like that wrong isn't 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 surprising. Um, however, 
you know, if they're out of contract, yeah, um, they're not transferring from one team to another. So can players be out of contract and then be picked up by a team because they're out of contract who are still in the playoffs? I, I, I will say I don't think the playoffs will happen. No, but how fascinating that would be. If a player argue any player moves to a team that's in the playoffs between the end of the season and whenever the playoffs happen, it's just it, the mind boggles, doesn't it? Yeah, it's very confusing. Okay. And I think we need to, need to go through the, the FA and the National League rule books with a, um, you know, a, a massive... Yeah. Just spend a whole evening going through it to, to actually work out what the heck could happen. But um, I really don't think that um, the playoffs will happen. I think what's going to happen is... Um, the Football League will also stop. I yeah. think that will go in the next couple of weeks. I don't think they'll be uh, they'll be playing on. I think they will be working out a way to do promotion within the Football League. And I think Stevenage will be saved. Yeah. Um, so they won't be relegated. And I think Barrow will go up to make up the numbers because they're short of one team from... Barry's exit uh, due to going out of business at the start of the season. And I think that's how the Football League will deal with it, taking Barrow off our hands. Yeah, uh, That gives us uh, one team less. But, um, you know, Gary's always advocated over the last couple of months that he'd like to see the Football League and the National League kind of work together on this. Well, it seems yeah. they're not going to. Uh, and um, and if, if the Football League decides that they only want one team to go into the league to make up the numbers for, for Barry and that would be Barrow because they're top by four points and, and let's face it there's not many people who who, who argue with that decision no. Jim. they've been top for um, a long time haven't they they won't want another team they won't want another team so there's absolutely no point in playing the playoffs no and so that leaves uh, the National League to cope with being a team short so whether they bring do they bring a team up no they probably don't they play next season a, a team short do they do they, do they then look at how to uh, promote and relegate between the National League and the two divisions, National League South and National League North. Do they adjust those numbers? Does next season, when uh, when uh, we come to the end of next season, and um, you know the the league have only had one up this season, will they only want one up next season? There are so many questions. There are, there are indeed. We'll leave that for people cleverer than us to work out. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're probably right. Interesting. And the contracts business is interesting. You know, every talkie fans will be holding their breath for um, the likes of Jamie Reid to be announced. You know, it, and it's it's a nervous time, isn't it? The few days before the retained list is announced is always nervous for the fans. I'm going to credit Dave with this point from talking to him earlier on. But there is, of course, the point that these players are being offered contracts or these players that, are stay, that, that have hopefully agreed to stay, are being offered contracts. Whereas elsewhere, they might not be able to find a contract yet. That's true. Now, what would you prefer? What would you prefer right now, during this period? A contract to sign and know that you've got work for another year, or go out into the world and try and find another contract? That's... Whoever you are. Yeah, that's quite true because as we've said before, these are you know these are family men, these are blokes with young families, households exactly. to keep up. The exactly. wages aren't massive. Yeah. If you're offered a, the security of a job and a contract, as you as you and Dave say, you're going to take it, aren't you? It's a good point. 
So, you know, we'll find out on Saturday anyway. We will. When Saturday comes. When Saturday comes, indeed. There's one other thing that I wanted to talk about before we dispense with this uh, this sorry end of the season. What we would have done by now, of course, is we'd have crowned a player of the year at Torquay United. We'd have done that a couple of weeks ago, in fact. And I just wondered, I, I mean, I know yeah. who I would have voted for, but um, I'll tell you that in a minute. Who would you have voted for? I put you um, put you right on the spot. I didn't tell you that was coming, did I? Um, I, I, I can't look any any further away from from Jamie Reid. To be honest, how can you? He scored eighteen goals. Yeah. Um, he probably would have scored twenty five or whatever if the season had continued. Let's let's hope he would have. Um, looking at the list I've got next to me, I struggle to see. I mean, you know, there are players who deserve. Cr- credit for the season obviously but I struggle to see anyone that yeah. that has done as much as Jamie Reid let's face it um Okay, well, well, who are you well, going to say? Well, because I, I I kind of guessed that you were going to say Jamie Reid, my vote would have gone for Ben Whitfield. Ben, ben, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ben Whitfield is the kind of player that gets you out on a, a, a November Tuesday night, isn't he? You know, when, when everything... Yeah, got, you, when you, you, got some lovely goals, yeah. can take players on. You've got, um, you've, yeah, no, I, I can see your logic in that. Um, yeah, excellent. It's one of those Tuesday nights when you've got your beer in the fridge, there's something decent on TV and you're thinking, am I going to go to the football or not? And then you think, well, there's always a chance. When you've got Reedy playing, you've got Ben Whitfield playing, there's always a chance you're going to see something a bit special. So for that, that's why he gets my vote, I think. Good, good, good player. And uh, as I say, if you've, if we think that he might be one of the players who's already under contract for next season, then that's extremely good news for me. Well, I'm going to keep talking because you've frozen at the moment. You completely froze. Um, this is what happens on a Google Hangout. I'm going to hang on for another few seconds just to see if Richard comes back to us. And in that case, he's not coming back. So forgive me a second. I'm going to pause the podcast and try and re-establish contact with uh, the other side of Torquay. I think I've got you back, Richard, after a short delay. I'm back. I'm back. You froze, guy. You I look know. like uh, you, you, you turned to stone. <laughs> yeah, this is the beauty of the Google Hangout, isn't it? I will be very glad when we can do this in person again, but it might be a little while yet. Uh, yeah, so I course, have to say, guys, that's not happened before. So, so there's a first time for everything. There is indeed. So should we move on to the uh, the A to Z? As, as people who listen to us regularly will know, we're working our way through the Talker United alphabet, which has been a bit of a godsend in these days of no football at all. Guy, can I, can I, I just realised I've got the word Dixon written down here. Okay, um, Barbara? Mentioned the, the, Ryan Dixon wasn't okay. mentioned in that list of contracts earlier on because he's on loan at Yeovil and his contract will run out. Um, the fact that he was on loan at Yeovil, I think, will be very surprised if he's... Yeah. Taken on again. Truro, wasn't it? Truro, not Yeovil. Oh, you frozen again. You've this... gone again, guy. No, we're back. You're back. Oh, you're back. You're back. You're back. We're coming and going. It was Truro he was at, wasn't it? He was on, he was on loan at Truro. They yeah. like him down there. I, I'd be very surprised if he didn't end up there full time. Yeah. Okay. Good stuff. Right, let's move into the G's. Now, the Ben Gehring. Let's begin with Ben. Um, because you can't do the G's without Ben Gehring. Um, we've loved having him as a pantomime villain over the last couple of seasons while he's been at Woking, haven't we? But Yeah, let, let's, not, let's not forget what he did for us before he went to Woking. He was a, a decent player in that season. Um, 
the is it the season we went down? I know that we went yeah. down, but uh, was and, it, and the season before, I believe. I, I, um, I'm, I, I'm I'm a bit of an enthusiast. I have to say, I think he's a good player, and I've said to Dave before, and I think I've probably said to you that I'm not convinced he won't come back and play for us again one of these days. Well, there's a statement. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, he's he's a local lad. He's commuting a long way up to Woking. I know he's a, he's a big hero up there. Uh, they love him at Woking, but uh, you know, there's kind of a grudging respect for him. I, it was noticeable uh, when we played the game in December when we beat Woking four uh, one. You know, the relationship between him and the pop side has, has has mellowed a little bit, and I you know I think there is an acceptance. There's a decent footballer there, and I'm not convinced he's not going to end up back with us at some point. Um, absolutely. I, I, there's no reason why not. I mean, these things have happened. I, he does. He does like to wind it up a bit, doesn't he? He does. I think that's uh, that's um, been the problem or the pantomime problem, as it were. I don't think there's any real malice in any of it. Um, the fact that he like you know he stood on the the Woking terraces with their fans when we played them when he was when he was. Um, Suspended, got sent off against us in that yeah. famous game. Yeah. You know, the, the, something always happens when Ben Gehring and Talking United come together. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's a good thing. I like to have a play. I like to have a bit of an agent provocateur in the team. Um, so, well, you know, it's, we, we pay to be entertained, don't we? We do. We do indeed. So, uh, yeah, that's interesting character. Um, every team needs a pantomime villain. But uh, I, I think, yeah, I think we might not have seen the last of Ben Gehring. <clears throat> Moving on with the G's GPS, how football has changed. GP, the players carrying little GPS kits on their backs uh, and number crunching, number analysis it was never like that in our day, Richard. Was it when we were playing? No, and, and of course we ran many more miles than they did. We, we did. So, we we can't did. prove it. You could get away with loitering out on the wing for a bit to get your breath back while the hard work went on in midfield, but you can't do that anymore. I've, for years, when I was a kid, I thought my name was Goalhanger because that's all everyone's <laughs> shouted at me. Oh, you weren't one of those, were you? I was, yeah. Oh, the defenders. I, I didn't understand the offside rule until I was about twenty-seven. Defenders' nightmare. If if you if you play walking football, as you will one day, young man, um, there's no offside in walking <laughs> football, obviously. And we. I'm, I'm allowed to play walking football from this December. Oh, well, there you go. There's no offside, and we play against the team that always just leaves a man up on the edge of the penalty area, which just, it, it's impossible. It's terrible to defend against that because it just pulls you completely out of position. So you leave him alone for a while, and that's the moment the ball gets through to him. So uh, I, I'm not a fan of goal hangers. There you go. So yeah, the G, <laughs> GPS, which is revolutionising football, and um, we've seen some of the number crunching that they do up at the training ground when they get the stats down. One of the things we were going to do before... Out majorly at the moment as well because that's how the players are recording their runs, etc. And those those stats are going back to the club. Of course, of course. One of the things we were going to do before the end of the season was sit down with Aaron Downs and have a bit of an explanation as to how all this GPS worked and the amount of data they can get. Uh, we haven't managed to do that, so uh, we will do that when normal service is resumed. G Absolutely. G is also for uh, for Goldthorpe and ground staff. No club can exist okay. without its ground staff, and Plainmore has been lucky over the last few years to have some extremely good ground staff, I think. Yeah, some very good ground staff. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's, 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 
it's a pitch that gets battered, especially that season when Truro were there oh, playing yeah. uh, for the first half of the season with us as well. And how that pitch survived that. <laughs> when, when you get to the, the start of the winter months, when the rain starts falling, and you've got two games a week on that pitch, yeah, um, on a few weeks uh, of each month. Um, my word, how how that how that survives, I don't know. It was heroic, wasn't it? But you know, it's all down to. The, I mean, it's all down to the skill of the groundsman, isn't it? You know, technology yeah. has changed, and there's a lot more science involved, I think, than there would have been back in uh, back in the day when. Um, we can remember watching teams play on on mud, um, dried or or wet. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, I, I mean, you know, technology has come a long way. Ground staff have taken technology and run with it. Yeah, yeah. I think we've been very fortunate with the ground staff that we've had at Playmore. I think we've been uh, we've been very well served, and there've been games on on that pitch when you wouldn't have expected them to be. Apart from the other G, of course, G for ground sharing, which will. Uh, Let's never do that again. No, let's 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 put that in the past. <laughs> okay, a couple of players. Truro um, has now been taken over by by Cornish Pirates, by the way, the, rug, the the professional rugby team down there. Yeah. So if if they need a ground, Menay Field. Menay Field. That's that's the one with Hellfire Corner in it, isn't it? Is that where the Cornish Pirates that's are? That's the one. Yeah. yeah, yeah fabulous yeah, yeah. stuff. Every every football club needs a Hellfire Corner. Couple of players who aren't in the um, the G's the, uh, the the first eleven of G's that we need to mention along the way. First one we mentioned him briefly last week. The surprisingly easy to type Giancarlo Gallifuoco needs to be part of our G's. I thought he was a top player. I, I was sorry when he moved and, and left Torquay. Yeah, no, he had a presence about him, and I. I thought he was a decent player too, and as you say, easier to type than say. He was, and he came. He was a guest on the podcast once, and a very, very interesting speaker. Um, very good, good guy. Um, Melbourne Victory. He started at, uh, then he went to Spurs. He was at Swansea, and he came to Torquay after uh, I think another spell at, at, at Melbourne. Played 35 games for us in 2016-17, scored three goals, and then went to Dover. And I was always a little bit surprised about that. I thought he was, um, I thought he was building something that we'd uh, we'd see him for a few years. But he's gone back to Australia, and he's gone back to Melbourne Victory. He's gone back to his original club. Right. Hasn't played for them yet because yeah. they haven't played since the lockdown. He'd only just moved there uh, when the lockdown right. happened. Yeah. Is the season a different time scale to ours? I guess is it over there? I guess it probably is. Yeah, he's. Uh, I'm not sure. I should have looked that up. But I know he's moved there, but he hasn't played for them yet. So perhaps the season is about to get underway. Is it a summer season or a winter season? There, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I should ask my my, my friend uh, Stuart Moffat, who who lives in New Zealand and does a does a, works for a football club and does a podcast. So I shall I shall ask him. There you go. Good player. It shows how much notice I've been taking of his podcast. <laughs> And is it another player who played for Torquay for three years back in the late 60s, early 70s? And this is another one from Julian, dug out a programme for a testimonial game that was given to a chap called Bob Glozier. Played for Torquay from 69 to 72, played 66 games, got one goal in that time. Um, but even though he only played 66 games, he got a testimonial because he did his cruciate ligament uh, when he was playing for Torquay. So he was granted a testimonial game. And the players who turned out for that, it's another one of those games where you think, you know, this must have been a hell of a game to see. It was on October the 25th, 1972, an All-Star 11. I was one. <laughs> I was 12. 
All-Star 11 versus West Ham. I was probably at this game. The All-Star 11, lots of Talker United players, plus Dave Mackay and Harry Redknapp. And in the West, wow. Ham, West Ham team that day, the absolute superb, tip-top West Ham team, Frank Lampard was in it, Billy Bonds was in it, Trevor Brooking and Bobby Moore all played for West Ham in that testimonial game at Plain 172. West Ham team, isn't it? Have a guess who was referee. Do you think in 1972, a friendly game at Plainmore, have a guess who was referee? I'm going to go for Leicester Shapton. You'd be absolutely correct there as well. Yeah, <laughs> well, Leicester, Leicester was referee in that one. He used to live down the road from me in Shippey yeah. when I was a child. Referee. Of course, in, the, in those days when uh, they were, they were, it was their part-time job, it was their second job. He was a, he was a copper, wasn't he? He was, yeah. He was a traffic policeman, wasn't he, I think? Yeah. Oh, was he? Yeah. Uh, there you go. So, and so let's move on to the, the team of the A to Z. This is a very interesting team here. Thank you to Julian again for supplying this one because there's some interesting names in this one and there's some interesting names on the bench as well. Goalkeeper is Matthew Gregg. Matthew Gregg. I've just written his name down here, actually. He sold for an astonishing amount of money. He was an apprentice at Torquay. He was here from 95 to 98. Only played 32 games. Because he was kind of an understudy to Kenny Vasey, wasn't he? He was, yeah. And uh, he came through the youth uh, system and um, played some games. I can tell you how many. Just a minute. Just a minute. Just a 31 games. So he, he played a decent decent amount of games. Um, attracted a lot of interest uh, yeah. after playing those games. And um, signed, uh, did you say 300,000? I think it was 300,000. 400,000 like pounds, Crystal Palace. 400,000. Okay. Well, the story goes that um, Crystal Palace were interested. Um, Terry Venables rang Mike Bateson and said, we like the look of your young keeper, um, we'd like to make an offer. Um, why don't you give us a figure to open with? And Mike said, off the top of his head, thinking they'll never go for this, 400,000. And Venable said, yeah, that'll do. <laughs> as easy as that. I think Mike was, was anticipating a bit of a bargaining yeah. match and um, it dropping to, I don't know, 100 grand or something. So, uh, uh, it, on the one hand, I, I bet he was overjoyed to get £400,000 for, for a player that he thought wasn't quite worth that. On the other hand, I bet he uh, thinks he wished he'd started at a million. Yeah, how, how high would Venables have gone, I wonder? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, four, he was one of four players in this uh, in this eleven to have played in the 98 playoff final against Colchester at Wembley. Um We'll move on to the others. The others are all in defence, so we'll get to all them in a minute. And apparently he made a bit of a career in Ireland after not quite making the grade at Palace. Um, Didn't quite make the grade. Um, I remember looking out for him at the time, after, you know, after he'd moved there, looking out for him, looking out for him. Never really happened, did it? No. No, good keeper, though. Well, obviously a good keeper. If Venables was prepared to pay that much money for him and was coaching in Ireland when last heard of. Okay. OK, the first of the double acts, then. You cannot say Andy Gurney without also saying Paul Gibbs. No, you cannot. Gurney no. and Gibbs, the two wing-backs, you know, possibly... I mean, we've had a lot of... Ex Twin go on. Sorry, go on, go I say we've had a lot of exciting football teams at Torquay, but I can't remember a time when we had an, as exciting a line-up as that one with the two wing-backs, Gurney and Gibbs, 
pushing on right wing, uh, right wing back, left wing back. Gurney scored 10 goals in 67 games from right back, and Gibbs scored nine in 47 from right back, from left back. I, I, I think Gurney scored 10 of those goals in that season, didn't he? I think they were they scored nearly all of their goals, both of their goals totals in, in the season that we uh, we made the playoffs. Unfortunately. Leading the leading the division for, for for big chunks of that yeah. season, and then dropping out at the last minute. But um, they were a great double act, Gurney and Gibbs. I mean, it gave the team balance, didn't it? And they Indeed. they pushed forward with real real passion. Um, I will say that uh, Gibbs, some of Gibbs's goals were penalties, weren't they? He, he was. Yeah, he was a good penalties. spot kick taker, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, but no, um, you know, you said you know. You look back at that team, yeah, it's a fantastic team. It's my second favourite team of modern, the modern period rather than the first. But um, I, think I think the first is, I think some of the members of the first team will also feature in this chat as well. So. They were. I, I can guess where you're going with that and you're not going to be yeah. disappointed when we get up to the front. But um, yeah, Gurney, gets, uh, Gurney, we signed for Bristol Rovers. We then sold him to Reading for a hundred grand. Another big payday for Torquay back in the day when such things were possible. He went on to play Reading, Swindon, Swansea. He managed Western Supermare for a while. Uh, Paul Gibbs came from Colchester. Last time I heard of Andy Gurney, he was managing, don't think he's there anymore, but um, Roman Glass St George in the Western League. Roman Glass St George. Is there anything to do yeah. with Bath by any chance? I, I, I guess so. Yeah, yes. got to be, hasn't it? Yeah, Paul Gibbs, of course, massive character with the pop side, uh, came back when he was playing with Argyle, indulged in all kinds of banter with the pop side when playing for Argyle. Um, uh, he, was, he was romantically linked with Helen for a little while, wasn't he? He was, you know, he was, he, he was a huge character at Torquay. But what I hadn't realised was that he broke his leg playing for Argyle and it was in the Jimmy Glass game when Carlisle goalkeeper Jimmy Glass came up in the 94th minute and scored the goal that kept them in the league they were playing Argyle and that was the game in which uh, Paul Gibbs broke his leg yeah absolutely I didn't realise that, that too I mean that's a famous game and a famous famous clip isn't it of a, it is. big, a big goalkeeper wasn't he big goalkeeper yes, he was, yeah. uh, going up and scoring a, a goal that saved his team um, no I didn't realise that, that Paul Gibbs had broken his leg in there he, he was a decent player as well he was I mean, that team was decent player Good guy. He's on Twitter as well, so we must make sure that we tag him in this one to let him know that he's part of our duty. And the fourth and final member of that uh, 98 playoff team, team of course, we lost 1-0 in that playoff final uh, to Colchester, for whom Paul Buckle and Mark Sale were both playing on that day. Uh, um, and also, also Neil Gregory, which is a G. Is that right? Uh, he, he played with us for a couple of games. Oh, yes, he did, didn't he? Five from Ipswich at the start of his career and he Ended scored up, I think he was captain he scored day. the goal didn't he he scored the penalty yeah yeah and the man who, the man who conceded the penalty was John Gittins of course yeah. who's in our team oh, here <laughs> uh, we had him from 96 to 98 nine goals in 78 games he started with his hometown club Southampton he'd been at Swindon he played in the Premier League was it Premier League then yes it was from Middlesbrough he was at Portsmouth. He was our Player of the Year in 1998, uh, that season. Very unlucky to concede that penalty at Wembley. Were you at that one? Were you at the 89 I, player final? I, I 
was, yeah, I was there. Um, of course, Gittings was what Dave Thomas would call a no-nonsense defender, wasn't he? Indeed he was. I wasn't at that game. We were on our way on a family holiday and I was actually driving on the M25 while that game was on, heading for Dover and a ferry with a car full of sleepy kids and camping equipment trying to listen to it on the radio. And it was um, it was a very disappointing evening, wasn't it? I think, I think, I think the reason it was so disappointing was because how easy we made it through the semi-final against Scarborough. Oh, they were great games, weren't they? That game oh, at Playmore. Yeah, was that one of the one of the best games at Playmore, wasn't it? Steve McCall's goal, Rodney Jack, couple of goals as well. That was a fantastic two night. Nil up, two nil up with about 15 minutes or something, for two, both Rodney Jack goals, great Steve McCall goal. My friend Andy Harrison, who I'll come back to in a second, my friend Andy Harrison um, took his, one of his, then girlfriends it was her first ever football match and she thought they were all going to be like that they were all going to be like that yeah <laughs> um, Andy is a West Ham fan at, at, at heart and uh, he remembers John Gittins uh, in, a, in a different way to us because, I was just uh, coming to that yeah he's, he's friendly against West Ham uh, and they just signed a very expensive Romanian player if I remember rightly can't remember what his name was. Florian, and, Florian uh, Radic. He, he made half the game and Gittings saw to him and, and I don't think he played again for about six months. No, it was Florian Radicoyu. Was it really? It was Florian Radicoyu. most upset. He was, he was. And John Gittings was most unapologetic, if I remember rightly. It was just, uh, <laughs> it was part of his job, wasn't it? He'd, um, yeah, yeah. He'd, he'd, left, not. he'd left a mark on Florian Radichoya. John Gittins um, tragically died last May as well, died very young last May, but he's, he's well, yeah, right. well worth his place in, in any Torquay United team. He's the G's. Two other defenders in this G team, then slightly more recent um, Exodus Gehagen, who was signed by okay, Paul yeah. Cox. He was here in 2015 16 season. Uh, his Wikipedia entry, he appears to have played for 27 clubs in a long and illustrious career. I think, I think we were 20, so he went on to play for another seven more. He was he was one of those players, uh, when I worked at the non-league uh, Today newspaper in the uh, the, the late uh, noughties, he was one of those players that, that was always in the news, uh, in non-league news. He, you know, The name, I guess, stands out, so yeah. you remember him more. But yeah, he did play for a heck of a lot of play, uh, teams. He had an incredible long throw as well, didn't he? You know, when he was... When, I don't want to be harsh, but when he wanted to play, he was a good player. Yeah. I just didn't get the feeling he always wanted to play. No. No, I think... I mean, he'd been in a lot of clubs, hadn't he? And he was um, possibly the definition of a journeyman player. Been around, played for a lot of clubs and never really settled anywhere by the look of it. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. And completing the defence more recently still, 27-18, uh, one of them, a big signing at the time, Josh Gowling, of course, played 25 games for us. Um, uh, problems with injuries, though, didn't he? He did. Um, another player... I don't think we saw the best of him. From. Yeah, you yeah. wanted more from, but you didn't yeah. understand why you weren't getting it. No. No, I mean, it wasn't a particularly happy time at the club, and I don't think he had a particularly no. happy time at the club either. No. But... He's in anyway, he's a G and he's in. Moving into midfield then, Darren Garner is our next player in midfield. Plymouthian, we had him between 2005-2006, he scored three times in 60 games. He'd been a massive um, 
fixture at Rotherham. Played more than Blackburn. more than two hundred and sixty games at Rotherham. He played. Uh, you're thinking of Simon. Oh, Ga- Garner. Yeah, I'm you're thinking, thinking Simon Garner. Garner. Yeah, Simon Ga- Simon Garner's on the bench here. Actually, he's. Um... Okay, I've got a story about Simon Garner. Okay, oh, well, we'll come back to him. Yeah. But, Darren, yeah, Darren Garner fell out of favour at Rotherham, fell out with the fans and with the management at Rotherham, came to Torquay, um, and I say played 60 games here. Next man is Roger Gibbons. Roger Gibbons... Okay, remember, the name, remember the player very well. He was part of that 1988-89 team under Cyril, scored five goals in 33 games, which isn't a bad return, to be honest. But his claim to fame would be he must be one of the very few players. We have a few players here who've played for Torquay, Plymouth and Exeter, Roger Gibbons played for Cardiff, Swansea and Newport. There can't be very many players wow. who've done that. And wow, it, okay. And by the look of it, he played for most of them twice, but well, he's a good player, good player. And part of that, uh, that Cyril Knowles team. But completing the midfield has to be Gregory Goodridge. The brilliant Gregory Goodridge. Arrived in 1994 from Lambada. It was a link-up between Lambada and Barbados. They're... Um, uh, they're Manager, manager, I think he was, Kevin Millard, was a friend of Don O'Riordan's and he brought him Gregory Goodridge and of course a year later he brought him an even better player who will come up when we get to Jay, Rodney Jack. But uh, yeah, Gregory captain Barbados, um, scored four goals in 38 games. He came back again in 2001 and that wasn't particularly successful but he went off and um, we sold him to Queen's Park Rangers for a quarter of a million pounds. Another big, big sale. A lot of money. Interestingly, I mean, he was—he was a great player to watch, wasn't he? He, he, he was, was full of skill. Yeah. Um, he was—he was very, very shy when he came to Torquay. Yeah. From what I can remember, I think—I think he—he I think uh, he, um, lived with the Hancockses or something because I used to know, talk to Debbie quite a lot because she worked at the club, and uh, I think they took him in when he first came over and uh, would say wouldn't say boo to a goose. It took him a long time to out of his shell, but he, but, but he. he he did his speaking on the field, and then as he grew more confident, obviously uh, he became uh, more open. Uh, you know, it's, it must be difficult moving to a new country, wasn't it? But, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, he he's a, a good player. Um, interesting. When I was doing the Talk United quiz a couple of weeks ago, I, I was looking at players who were internationals, and from from the records that I can see, he is still playing for Barbados. <laughs> now I know they don't have a big pool of players. <laughs> But he must be in his quarters. Okay. And still playing. Well, that's fantastic. Must be. I mean, whether... I mean, it just... It, on, on, you know, the, the, the website I was looking at doesn't give an end date for his his um, his appearances, whereas all the other players that yeah. finished all had end dates. So I don't think it was a quirk of the website. I think it was actually possibly the fact that he's still... He's still registered. Brilliant. A great player, but he, as I say, little were we to know in that season that an even better one was coming shortly afterwards. Absolutely. One yeah. of the one of the best players, Rodney Jack, of course. We'll talk about when we get to Jay, but one of the best players anybody's ever seen playing for Torquay United. Okay, now you'll be in your element here then, because the front two, the G unit, um, Martin Gritton and David Graham up front. I used to be on the G force. The G-Force, yeah, that's probably better, actually, to be honest. Yeah. The G-Men, uh, the they played together in, in that great season that ended in promotion at Southend, didn't they? And there was a, a time at the start of the season where 
Martin Britton was kind of the senior member of that partnership. David Graham was feeling his way in a little bit, but then. Well, um, I, I think Graham was was um, suspended for the first three games of that season because he got sent off in the Devon Bowl at Exeter City, the final. <laughs> of course, he did. Yeah, before. yeah. Um, so, so we start the first three games. Uh, without him, and, and, and of course, Gritz had been the top goal scorer the season before. Mm, yeah, good player, Martin Gritton. Always enjoyed watching him play, but there was something about. I, uh, my, and I, I know Martin really well. Um, I got because I was working at a club, and uh, um, fellow Guardian readers sitting on the coach. Uh, it, it, the, the day he signed, or, or the first day that he got on a coach and uh, sat down in front of me and started reading the Guardian, I couldn't quite believe my eyes. <laughs> Yeah, still involved in the game, isn't he? Still doing a lot of media work. Um, still very active on Twitter. Hello, Martin, if you're listening. Um, he does um, away, uh, Radio Devon away stuff occasionally at Talkie Games, doesn't he? He does. Um, great, great, great musical tastes. Um, we used to we used to share mini discs. That's how long ago it was. Mini discs. Um, Whatever happened to them? Yeah. We. Uh, he, he was part of a, a Plume of Argyle indie scene. There were three players that, that were all into indie music in, the, in those days, before indie music became the, the normal. Um, and him, Stonehouse and another one. I can't remember who the other one in was. Stonehouse, yeah. Boys, yeah. Down, uh, down, in, down in the home park. Of course, he, he came, he came um, the season after... My timelines are slightly out, but I. But one of the things I do remember about Martin Gritton is he came on trial from Plymouth in pre-season. Yeah. Um, pre-season training had been going on already for a couple of weeks. He came along. I was there when he turned up. Um, did a little interview with him. He went out, trained, and then months later, I guess we were talking, or it might have been years later, we were talking. I said, "Do you remember that day?" And he said, "Yeah." He said, "I came thinking, oh, you know." Okay, we'll give it a go. See what it's like at Torquay. I'm only on trial. Um, I think he'd come to the conclusion that he probably wasn't going to be number one choice in what was a good Plymouth Argyle team at the time. And uh, so he gave it a go. And he said he walked onto the to the, uh, the pitch, the training pitch. There was you know watched a game or took part in a game. Took one look at David Graham and one look at Alex Russell and thought, yeah, I'd like to sign for this club. This this is going to be interesting. <laughs> It was a good side. Well, let's talk about David Graham a little bit then, because he um, he came on loan to begin with. He scored in the win at Barnet that kept us in the league, didn't he? That was while he was on loan. Uh, signed for us the following season, and uh, forty-seven goals in one hundred and twenty games. Not a bad return, I think. Take that, yeah. Um, and made us some money as well. Signed to, sold to Wigan for two hundred and fifteen thousand. So another. Who then played him on the week? Pardon. Yes, yeah. He was at Sheffield Wednesday, had a couple of loans, Huddersfield and Bradford. Both um, Gritton and Graham came back to Torquay on loan later in their careers. And again, I, it very rarely works a second time, does it? You don't, especially a player that's been that good. David Graham was uh, one of the best players I've ever watched. Uh, he, he had played a couple of games uh, in the European Cup for Rangers as a, a teenager. Um, uh, we, we don't have to talk about it, uh, 
why he didn't really make it in Scotland. Um, but he, he kind of he kind of fell fell down through the divisions. Colin Lee brought him in at the end of the uh, Barnet season uh, for the last five or six games. Um, and obviously he impressed. I mean, he scored one of the goals that kept us up uh, in, in the uh, 3-2 win at Barnet. Yeah. Um, and then he didn't immediately decide to sign for Torquay. He went off to Malaysia to play. And I think, I think most, most people thought we wouldn't see him again. Um, but he, 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 it didn't work out in Malaysia. So he came back to Torquay. Um, had three settled seasons with the club. Um, met met, met a, a lady down here, I believe, and, and settled down and enjoyed his seasons, his football here. And uh, yeah, I mean, um, David was an intelligent footballer. Still is an intelligent footballer. I mean, you know, uh, he he lives up in Sheffield, I believe now. Um, played for lots of teams afterwards and, and finished up, I believe, at Sheffield, the the old non-league club. Yeah. Uh, you know, they claim to be the oldest football club in the world, Sheffield. Um, we saw him again, didn't we? At, um, the Paul Compton testimonial last season, or was it the season before? But David was a very intelligent footballer, just much like Grits. Um, he was very good at Scrabble on the team coach and would always win. There was really? four of us who would play. There was me, David Graham, Mike Bateson, and wait for it, Mervyn Benny. Yeah. Now, David would always win, David or Mike, I would come a close second or third, and Mervyn Benny would make up words. Okay. This is a, a fantastic insight into the life of a professional footballer, Richard. I'm enjoying this a lot. So on the coach, well, 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 Scrabble. Well, all the other players were playing, well, the other players were playing FIFA on the... Well, they, on, they didn't... On laptops, they wouldn't have had on phones then. Um, or whatever they were playing, football manager or card schools. David Graham was playing Scrabble. Playing Scrabble. I love, love that. Great stuff. Um... We have two, we'll move on to the subs bench in a minute, but two great joint managers for this G team. Um, Mike Green, who came yep. to Playmore in 77. He was a player manager. 77 to 81, he was at Playmore. Uh, manager from, uh, played for the first couple of years there. He'd been at Bristol Rovers. 88 88 games, seven goals. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he'd been at Bristol Rovers. He'd been at Plymouth. He'd been part of a very good Plymouth side. Um, and he was a, he was a good man. He was the first Talk United manager that I'd actually met because, as I think I mentioned before, I, I used to um, used to sort of write the, the column for him that was in the Torbay News. Uh, and after the game, um, he went on to be a postmaster, sub postmaster down at Chelston, I think, if I remember right. Down at Valley Road, I believe. Yeah. But the one great thing that uh, that sticks in my mind back in the winter of nineteen seventy nine. Uh, local journalists were on strike. We had a long strike. It was a cold winter. There was um, we didn't get very much strike pay. You can hear the violins going in the background for this one. By the way, it might should be a brass band really. And we used to stand on a picket line outside the old Herald Express offices in Braddens Hill Road. It perishing yep. cold down there. Um, and one day, Mike Green had won what used to be a gallon of whiskey then in the Manager of the Month competition. And he drove down to the picket line, crack of dawn one morning, and handed us his gallon bottle of whiskey and said, this will help to keep you warm, keep up the good work. So um, that was... Wow. That was a a grand gesture. It was much appreciated and never forgotten. So um, if you are listening, Mike, thanks again. That was just uh, a great thing to do. And his joint manager in our team is Ivan Golach, who was manager... You say 
Golak? Should I say Golak? I'm not sure which is right. I, well, no, you, 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 you say potato. Let's call the whole thing off. Um, yeah. 1992, we had him. Um, he'd been a, a, a decent player. Played at Partizan Southampton. Belgrade. Southampton. He was a part of the Southampton team that finished second in the league to Liverpool in 1978. Kevin Keegan in that team and uh, Peter Shilton and uh, Mike Shannon. And uh, yeah, well, and there's, there's another one. I can't remember what it is, but there was... Four England captains in that team. Were there really? Was Mick Mills would have been in there? Mick, Mick Mills was afterwards. Was he? Okay. He was. He, he played. He played for them afterwards. There's another one. I can't remember who it was. But uh, here's a question for the listeners. So, so three of the England, ex England or, or England captains in that team were Keegan, Shilton, and Shannon. And there's another one. I can't remember who it is. Ah. Oh. Okay. All right. We'll leave that one out there. There'll be an email flying in this uh, afternoon. One of <laughs> Lovely story about him as well that I just found online this morning. Um, he had a bit of a hippie image, and he put that down to the fact that he learned his English from listening to the music of the Rolling Stones. I like that as a story as well. Even if that's not true, I like that as a story. We'll stick with that. Never let the facts get in the way. And on the bench then, in the G team, Mark Gardner is on the bench. Jackie Gallagher, yep. Steve Grapes. Ah, got Gallagher. Go on. Um, I lived for a short while in a place called Chatteris. It's right in the middle of the Fens. Uh, you know, there was nowhere. The, 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 the town of March was five miles away, but apart from that, everywhere else was about 12 or 15 miles away, including Cambridge, St. Ives, Peterborough, yeah. right in the middle of nowhere. And uh, the, work, the, the only drinking hole that was worth going into was the Working Man's Club. So I signed up, used to go in there and watch football. And um, this is when I was working a, a, a paper in Huntingdon, which was 12 miles away. Uh, <laughs> a really lovely little chat, ch lovely little Fen Fenland town. Um, really enjoyed it there for the two and a half years I was there. Met a bloke in the pub who became, you know, one of my drinking buddies. His stepdad was Jackie Gallagher. Really? What a small world it is. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Okay, also there, Jake Goslin with the aforementioned Giancarlo Galifuoco. Luke Guttridge is there on the bench for us. Well, went, on to, went on to have a decent career at Cambridge, didn't Did, he? Did, didn't he? Yeah. Was, um, was a young player who, who made it into the first team and looked really good. And then when you would expect him to, to be signed up and stay, uh, Cambridge came in and took him off us. Mm. Good player. And the aforementioned again, Simon Garner. Good player, Simon Garner. He'd been at Blackburn, hadn't he? Scored a lot of goals at Blackburn. I think he's still Blackburn's all-time leading goal scorer. And how did he end up uh, with us, though? He ended up here um, at <clears throat> the end of his career, obviously. Um, had, a, had a bit of a reputation as being a, a bit of a wild, wild, wild one. Mm. Um, and uh, but, but obviously very talented because he scored a lot of goals for Blackburn. Um, in, it, was a, it was a season where we finished bottom but didn't go down. It might have been the, it might have been the season that, that Stevenage couldn't come up. Yeah. Um, so um, there were a couple of players in that team that you know didn't really produce. Him being one. Quite famously, he he, he was in the bar quite a lot after the uh, the games um, and uh, put more into that than he had on the field. If you know what I mean. <laughs> um, and. Uh, there was um, Paul Baker was playing for us at the time as well. Who 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 was was a great professional, 
and uh, I, there was a there was a, a football magazine called Total Football, which I used to uh, subscribe to, and I used to to read. And Helen Chamberlain did a did a uh, an article in it about Simon Garner, yeah. about how funny and how much laugh he was. And considering we just finished bottom of the league, I wrote in and said, oh, you know, he can be as funny and everything, but he didn't put anything on the pitch. You know, Paul Baker was the man who, who was, you know, the striker that, that, you know, put his heart into it. Um, glibly, the editor put, but I don't think anyone could, could come out of that season with any any any, any grace or whatever. But um, anyway, scroll forward to 2008, 2009, when I'm working for non-league today, and uh, he's the best mate of the editor up there, and uh, quite a nice bloke to go out have, have a drink with. Really? Okay. I thought you were going to say yeah. he landed yeah, one on you or something. The story, and uh, he kind of did admit that he didn't. You know, it was just a, it was just a contract. Good stuff. <laughs> there you go. Funny how these things go around. What goes around comes around, as they say, don't they? Or at least you didn't get a dap on the nose for it. I, I remember we were going out to the pub that night, and Simon Garner was going to be there, and I thought, oh, I don't really want to speak to this fella. Um, it turned out he was lovely. There you go. We've reached the end of the G team. Thank you once again to Julian for um, for priming our guns on these uh, these teams. A couple more little bits of business to, to uh, deal with before we say goodbye on what's been quite a long no football podcast. Um, I had a message this morning from a football statistician who is trying to do a little bit of research. I couldn't come up with anything in our photo archives, but maybe some of you do. He's researching kits worn by various teams. And he's looking at Torquay United League Cup matches against Wimbledon in the 1994-95 season. And he's wondering what kits we wore. Both teams wore what kits on those days. I couldn't help him. I can't find anything in our archive to do it, but maybe somebody out there can. 94-95 kits. Um, can't remember what that would have been now. The broad blue and yellow stripe that was. I remember the game because I... Uh... I was going to Norwich the next day on a coach and I was really ill. Oh dear. Oh. But you can't remember what the I kits had, were. I only had three pints, Guy. It oh. couldn't have been the beer. No, it must have been the third one that did for you. <laughs> and on a, a slightly more sombre note before we disappear, we, we need uh, the two two people who we've lost this week. Um, Talk United fan, well-known Talk United fan, Andy Holland, who goes by the name of West Yorkshire Gull. And also an ex-Talkie player, a chap by the name of John Rowlands, who was at Torquay 68-69. Uh, played 20 games, scored five goals. Um, both of those have died, died this week. Our condolences to the friends and family of both of them. Any, anyone who, who's followed Talk United through social media and websites and um and message boards over the last 20 years will we'll know the name west Wednesday or Chicago. so sorry to hear that indeed thank you very much for your company we hope that you're all keeping well out there all our listeners in these difficult times it's actually stopped raining now richard perhaps it's uh it has, it has and my dog stopped barking as well there you go we've been talking for so long we've bored the dog to sleep that's what we've done it doesn't take much for him to go to sleep <laughs> Thanks for your time. We'll be back next week uh, when we'll have a retained list to talk about. So uh, in the we meantime... It's going to be an interesting weekend, I think. It is. I've decided to take tomorrow off and work Saturday. That's probably very wise. In the meantime, yeah. as ever, come on you yellows. You have been listening to the Devon Live Herald Express Talk United Yellow Army podcast. 
recorded weekly by Guy Henderson and Richard Hughes. You can find us in the Talker United channel on the Devon Live website, and you can subscribe to us at iTunes. Please leave a review wherever you see us. We welcome all feedback, uh, whether positive or negative. We always like to know what you think of the Yellow Army podcast. Please join us next time.